We are coming to you today before your intro music with a little special announcement, if you will. It's probably today or maybe yesterday. If you're signed up for our Bema Messenger newsletter, you even saw this in our newsletter article for this month. But we have a, a unique job posting um, that uh, we we have. We're trying to find somebody that uh, would be a good fit for our ministry with Impact Campus Ministries at our Eugene location. Uh, at the University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon. So um, we're looking for somebody to fill that. We're going to put in the show notes a link to that job posting. You can read more about it and the kind of person that we're looking for there. Um, but we're just looking for applications, and we we need those. We're on a little bit of a time crunch. We have a special grant that we're using to subsidize that position to get it started and get it rolling for the first three years. Um, and in order to do that, we need to find somebody to fill that spot within the year. And so we're looking for applications that we can look into and, and vet. And if you're interested at all, if you've ever wanted to work with Impact Campus Ministries, filling out an application is just the beginning of a journey. It's, it's not a commitment. Um, uh, it's not a for sure thing. It doesn't even mean that uh, it'll go any further than that. But an application gives us the opportunity to get a conversation started. So if that's something you're interested in doing, we're really looking, we're interested in somebody. If you have a heart to impact the you and impact the world, if you love to pursue Jesus, um, if you love to create space for God so that he can fill it, so many of the things we talk about, Bema, if you would love to do that with other young adults that are figuring out what they're going to do with their lives and who it is that God's making them to become, um, then it, it's, it's a conversation we'd love to have with you. So check that out. Click on that link. Find our job posting, and if you'd love to work with Impact, um, if you'd love to come work with me and Brent and uh, the work that we do at our Oregon location, um, we'd love to see an application uh, come our way. So if you have any questions, let us know, but you can find that link in the show notes. And with that, with no further ado, here's the intro music. This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we are in John 5, considering the reactions to Jesus healing on the Sabbath and discussing the authority of and testimonies about Jesus. Yeah, got uh, got some good stuff in here and just some continued thought from previous episodes that have just continued to rock my world. But I don't think there's any reason, there's no time to waste. We just get right into it, Brent. Okay. Uh, John 5. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Is that him. the new NIV? The Jewish leaders? Yep. Thank you. New NIV. Coming through in the clutch. <laughs> I mean, it's not the best translation, but better than the old. The Jews persecuted Jesus. All right. All right. Go ahead. I mean, that's apparently what it says in the Greek, according to the NET's footnotes. Right. But NET also puts Jewish leaders in the text. All right. So. Okay. There you go. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. All right, we'll pull apart this first little paragraph here. A couple of different things to look at. First is the setting. like It's going to set the stage. It's going to give us the context for what's going to be an awfully long, healthy monologue from Jesus here for the rest of John chapter 5. Uh, Jesus is just going to kind of go on this teaching, and the impetus for this teaching, the thing that sparks it, the thing that gets it started, the thing that calls it out of Jesus is this tension on the heels of 
our last episode talking about healing the man by the pool. And that healing was done on the Sabbath, and now it's sparked all this controversy. So the context here, and and I'm wondering, Brent, what, does the NET translate it breaking the Sabbath? I'm just curious. Uh, yes, it does. Okay. With no footnote. Yeah, with no footnote, um, which may or may not be interesting for me. I don't believe that what John here is saying is that Jesus is actually breaking the Sabbath Sabbath, but that he's breaking the concept of the, he's breaking the tradition. He's breaking the traditional, he's breaking the traditions of the Sabbath. He's breaking halakha as far as the Jewish leaders have defined it. He is not observing what the larger Jewish community has said. This is what it means to follow Sabbath. This is what we're supposed to be doing. He's breaking that. I do not believe he's breaking Torah Sabbath, but we do that. Um, I think we should link to the, I think we have episode, is it 95, Brent? Abolish and fulfill? Yes. All right. So we talk about what it means to fulfill. We talk about what Jesus is doing here um, in the, uh, that in our perspective, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, this is what Torah was always supposed to be. This is what it was supposed to be interpreted as. And, and, and we've interpreted it incorrectly or incompletely or however you want to look at that. But our interpretation could use some work, I believe Jesus is saying. And he's saying, I'm going to observe Sabbath perfectly. I'm not going to not observe Sabbath. I'm going to observe Sabbath the way that it was always intended to be observed. And that's certainly not missing the opportunity to bring healing and restoration and shalom to others. If your Sabbath observance is keeping you from healing others, from helping others, from serving others, from loving others, from doing good, he'll say in other gospel passages, well, then you're doing something wrong with your Sabbath interpretation and your Sabbath observance. So I think that's the conversation taking place here when it says he was breaking Sabbath. I'll let everybody else wrestle with that and decide for themselves. The other side of this conversation is what he actually utters in that paragraph where he says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So what Jesus also says in the midst of this, he kind of starts everything by addressing this underlying spiritual religious assumption that the Pharisees worked with. And this could be an oversimplification. I think a lot of people, including myself, would argue with myself. Um, I'm going to argue with my own self here that this is actually what the Pharisees believe. But there was kind of this um, assumed understanding that God was somewhat distant and aloof, that he was not not at work. Uh, I think similar to the last episode of The Chosen we just reviewed earlier this week, Brent, there was all this discussion around the fire about, do you know what it's like to be Jewish, to have to hang in here and just wait for God? Like there was this underlying, understandable, underlying assumption that God was kind of, um, he was distant. He was not involved. He wasn't speaking through his prophets, nor was he acting on history. He he was waiting for, for his people to become what they're supposed to become, and then he will step back into the story. And Jesus confronts this idea and says, no, 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 like God's God's always at work. God has always been working everywhere, all the time, and all around you, God is at work. And um, this this shows up in a lot of Jewish thought. Um, I think we talked about it all the way back in session one, and I didn't think we did, but Brent told me I had already referenced this book. I thought I was going to reference a new book, Brent one that I had never referenced before, but alas, it's not the truth. Um, But Lawrence Kushner wrote a book, uh, God Was in This Place, and I I Did Not Know. Um, And 
in that book, he discusses this idea of Jacob, um, the story of Jacob and his dream. And if you remember, he's in the middle of nowhere's nowhere, and he's sleeping on a rock. And he has this dream, and he wakes up, and that's his phrase. God was in this place, and he names that place House of God, Bethel, Bethel, because God was in this place the whole time, and I didn't realize it. Like, God is at work when I think it's completely godless. God is already there. When I think God is absent and void, God is already there. Um, I believe it's that same book where Kushner will talk about the burning bush and how the Jewish understanding of Moses and the burning bush is that a bush being on fire actually wouldn't have caught Moses's eye. That's not that big of a deal. What was a big deal was that it wasn't being consumed. And the rabbis and the sages say, you can't tell that the bush is not being consumed unless you stop long enough to look at it. Like, if you just see a bush on fire, you're not going to be like, oh, a bush on fire, and it's not being consumed. Like, you have to stop and watch the bush on fire to realize, like, that bush is not actually burning up. You have to be present. You have to be you have to be spiritually awake. And so it's that same idea that the miracle of the burning bush wasn't necessarily the burning bush itself was Moses's awareness to slow down, to be aware, and to look at what God was doing kind of right underneath his nose. Um, and Jesus kind of calls on this same Jewish idea, God's always at work and never stops working. I'm about the same thing which is actually what's going to lead into that next paragraph. So whatever you will, Brent, either keep reading or offer some more commentary. Well, so NET footnotes, uh, apparently Akiva um, made an argument um, along with a, another rabbi or two um, made this argument that um, God didn't actually stop working on the Sabbath because people would be born and would die on the Sabbath and only God can handle that process of giving life or judging someone upon their death or whatever. And so clearly God does work on the Sabbath. And they said, well, that's because the entire world is God's private residence. So he can do whatever he wants within <laughs> the world on the Sabbath. I love Jewish legal arguments. Um, they are so great. Uh, but I, I do love that because that is a very, that, that is and was a very rampant Jewish argument. Um, I remember Ray um, telling us, you know, he thinks God takes Sabbath off too. And he wasn't like super, like he wasn't trying to be like really like literally, no, God's not working on Sabbath. He was just saying, I think God takes Sabbath off too. And then I remember learning what you just quoted in Jewish thought and going, oh no, uh, I don't know if I agree with Ray anymore. Like, uh, but I love that tension and that argument and that wrestling match in Judaism of like, does God still take Sabbath off? And I, I, I love the private residence thing. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, and it's like, how, how much do you believe that God is actively involved in the world or not? Because if you believe he is very actively involved, if he takes the day off, then the whole world falls apart. You know, uh, that's what I would imagine. Maybe he just always stays ahead of the time zone curve. Maybe he's just like, it's not sundown yet. Oh, it's not sundown over here. It's not sundown. <laughs> Yeah, no matter, yeah, somewhere in the world, it's not the Sabbath, so he can always... <laughs> that's the deep theological content you come to the Baymont uh, podcast for, folks, yeah, right there. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Time zones, man, they're, they're the cause of and solution to all of our problems. Uh, okay, so moving back to the text, I guess. 
Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son, and this is maybe referencing that that idea of what God you know, has to handle on the Sabbath. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. I meant to interrupt you in there, Brent, and you blew my mind when you were like, maybe that's a reference to this Akiva idea. So I just sat there like staring at that sentence. <laughs> but it's, no, it's so good. So, and, uh, okay, so that paragraph starts with Jesus gave them this answer. So what Jesus is saying is in direct response. Again, the impetus of this conversation was all of this frustration that he was healing on the Sabbath. And I read this paragraph, and just as a side note, I hear this dual. I, I now I can't unsee Josh Bosse's episode now. I I am now seeing and hearing a dual layer all throughout the entire Gospel of John. Whenever it references the Son of God, I'm now hearing a, a not to take anything away from Jesus, but I am also hearing a conversation about God's people and his firstborn son. So there's Jesus and there's this invitation for those who are also children of God. So there's like there's the there's the Bahor that came out of the Exodus and then there's Jesus and those two ideas being so just continuously linked and I see that here in this paragraph. Yes, this is a paragraph about Jesus. Yes, this is a paragraph about the relationship that he has between him and the Father. But this is also this isn't just about some legal argument about Jesus's identity. This is also an invitation to the way that we are that we are supposed to live and an invitation to these same people that are frustrated with him to see it in a different way. So Jesus's first point in this is you're you're upset because you're seeing Sabbath through a let's go back to Josh Bosse's episode, right? Let's use let's use John 3 language. You are looking at this through earthly ways, through your earthly paradigm, through your 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 children from above, those who have like the ones who are on the descent. You you are looking at this through your worldly paradigm. I'm seeing this through God's paradigm. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? If I've spoke to you of earthly things, how could I explain? How could I speak to you of heavenly things? You're looking at Sabbath because you have a tradition, because you have a, a, a belief system, because you have a ruling, because you have a way that you see it, and it is coming from a perspective and a paradigm rooted in this experience. But I'm I'm not beholden to that experience because I'm seeing it through the lens and the paradigm of how God sees it and what's important to God. And that's what I'm doing before I care about traditions and those kind of things. I'm seeing it through that lens. So I'm I'm still hearing this same conversation that we talked about chapters ago taking place where you have a bunch of religious, the religious folk, who know all about the scriptures, they know all about doctrine. They know all about practice. They got all the answers. They're very well educated and very well trained. And Jesus says, and you don't even see heaven. Like you can't even see. And notice in John 3, it was about how do you see heaven? How do you enter the, like 
How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? How do you see the kingdom of heaven? That whole conversation I find to be fascinating as well. Like you, you are not, you are not on the same wavelength with what God is asking you to be about. And, and it's, it's, it's killing you. Like that's Jesus's invitation, but it's not done yet. This is a very, like, this is a first of what, seven paragraphs. So Jesus is going to keep going, but that's his initial, you're upset about the Sabbath. You're looking at it through this paradigm. I'm looking at it through another paradigm and mine's better. So he keeps going from there. <laughs> uh, yes. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Okay, so Jesus just he's just gotten done talking about this this paradigm. This you see it this way, I am seeing it from God. I I I'm taking my commands. I'm taking my I'm getting my paradigm. I'm I'm getting informed by a heavenly perspective. And anybody who wants to join me, again, this is very invitational. This is not just a mechanic. This isn't just about Jesus and God. This is a conversation about this is an invitation for people to like get swept up in what the kingdom is doing. This isn't a condemnation. It's not just prof- prophetic fire. This is Jesus saying, you're missing it. You're missing it, but I see it, and you could you could believe in that. You could be a part of that. You could see that. You could join me in this. You could be the son. You could be the behor, the son of God that we were always invited to be. And if you do, you'll live. Like there's life to be found, right? Okay, let's go ahead and keep reading. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. Interesting statement. I am interrupting you. Interesting statement there. I myself can do nothing. Does that remind you of anything? I by myself can do nothing. Do you get any vibes off of that, Brent? Any other passage that comes to mind? Mm, Nope. I think of John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. Oh, see, and now I he's saying, trying to go back to the Old Testament, and here you are. I know, I know. I, and I don't know if I'm smelling a chiasm or not in John. I just find it interesting. What did he say two paragraphs ago? Uh, he has given me greater things to do. Mm-hmm. Greater things? Well, what does he say in John 15 later? You will do greater thing, greater things than these. Oh, man. Like, this feels very chiastic to me. I haven't looked that up or decided if that's taking place, but there's some lines here, and maybe they actually show up all throughout the gospel. I may find them in other places of John 2, so it's not even chiastic. I don't know, but I'm getting heavy John 15 vibes here in this passage, but nevertheless. Mm, Yeah. All right, finish out this paragraph, and I'll add some commentary. Uh, By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. All right, so... I just want to keep summarizing. This is a long monologue, and it's easy to get lost in the midst of this. And I like to always make sure I'm stepping back and seeing like the larger train of thought. I know in my NIV Bible, I got a subtitle that breaks this whole monologue up, which is really irritating to me because it only makes things worse. Because um, I want to kind of see Jesus is responding to, I just healed on the Sabbath. People are upset. God's always at work. And everybody's like, yeah, but you can't just go around breaking the Sabbath. 
and Jesus launches into this monologue, and I want to see the whole thing for what it is. So again, he starts this idea, I'm not looking at it through this worldly, traditional, practice-centric paradigm. I'm looking at it through daddy's values. I'm looking at it through the father, through how God sees it. I'm looking at it through a heavenly paradigm, through one that comes from above. As Josh pointed out in John 3, somebody who has descended. I'm looking at it as somebody who has descended. I have a perspective that you are not using. And if you would use this perspective, it would give you life. And the and the the only other alternative is condemnation. So if you could step into this new way of seeing things, and really it's not new at all, if you could step into this very old, this very heavenly paradigm, it would give life. And don't think for a moment that you can just step away and ignore this because the time is coming. And then Jesus quotes very common, normal language for um the resurrection of dead and and the day of judgment and the Jewish mind and Jewish theology. He says there is coming a time where where whatever you've done, and again, I think of 1 Corinthians 3, Brent. I think we've talked about that an awful lot. My one of my favorite passages in 1 Corinthians 3 is where Paul talks about um, there's a there's a foundation. That foundation is Jesus. We've laid that, but you get to decide how you're going to build. And you can you can use gold and silver or precious stones. You can use wood, hay, or straw. But there is a day, capital D, Paul says, the day is coming, and it will show the work. It will show the material. It will show what you've done. It will reveal it with fire. If what you've done survives, that will be your reward. And and if what you have done doesn't survive, well, you yourself will be saved, but only as one escaping through a wall of flames. And I, again, I get very similar vibes here in this passage. I've just healed somebody on the Sabbath. I've brought health and shalom and wholeness and restoration. You're upset because all you can see is this worldly paradigm of tradition, rules, practice, and I'm telling you that I'm seeing things through a godly perspective. This paradigm would bring life, and you're not going to be able to es- escape and ignore this conversation. The way that you do faith is going to have it's going to have consequences. Not in a fiery judgment is coming. You're going to go to hell. That's not my point at all. That's not what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying there will be consequences that you can't escape. And it's it's the matter of life, and I'm present life, full life, abundant life, as Gospel of John will call it, and condemnation. It's the it's good fruit, it's bad fruit. This is this paradigm is there are consequences to the paradigm that you choose to live by. And you can do it through a worldly lens and you can do it through a heavenly lens. And if I sound like I'm ranting maybe just a little bit, it's because I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am Brent because I because this I think we love this line of thinking whenever it's pointed at everybody else. And that completely misses who Jesus is talking to here. And this is what I get so irritated about when we just read the Jews. The Jews were doing this because we don't own this because this passage isn't about just Jews. This passage is about the religious folks of Jesus's day, and that's many of us who can hear my voice. That's many of us that go to churches and work in ministry and 
Like we're a part of the body of Christ and we do and we are stuck in this same stuff. We have our we have our paradigm that's rooted in this worldly experience. It's about practices, it's about traditions, it's about rules. It's about creeds and belief statements and websites and programming and membership classes and covenants and baptisms. It's about all this stuff. And man, if we don't pause for one flipping second and hear Jesus go, man, is your paradigm jacked up because you are not looking at this through God's lens and what God's values are and what he's doing in the world. And I'm Jesus, and I'm here telling you I have a direct line, and you can believe in this and trust me, and you will find spiritual life. And don't think for a moment that you can just listen to episode 260-whatever and walk away from this because what we, how we choose to live has consequences. And we're, when we're still in the middle of his monologue, Brent, and I couldn't even get to the end of it before I granted. So <laughs> expect more. But nevertheless, I digress. Well, you can't stop Jesus, and apparently you can't stop Marty either. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. Following in the footsteps of the rabbi, right? There we go. I mean, we hope so. Yeah. Um, man, yeah. Talk about talk about the boulder of conviction <laughs> as, we were, as we were talking about in, in that last episode on The Chosen. Yep. Just rolling right over everyone. If we're not in that place now where we were, you know, part of the religious system, like maybe, maybe you're not part of that right now, but, but you probably were at some point. And if you weren't at some point, you definitely know people who are a part of the system. Like this is not an unfamiliar concept to people. Yep. Um, and maybe, maybe not. I, I have had some conversations with, um, you know, people in Australia or other parts of the world were like, yeah, we hear you talk about some of this stuff. And it's just like, that's not what the church is like here. That's a good point. It's a good point. That's, that's amazing. Yep. Um, so like we need those other perspectives and hopefully we can, we can learn, um, learn from that. But, yep. but yeah, like this is unfortunately so familiar to so many of us. Yep. So no, that's a great point. All right, uh, back to the words of, of Jesus. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. Okay, that's a weird like sentence, right? Like Jesus saying, if I testify about me, and you're like, but he's Jesus. How could it not be, how could it not be valid? Well, because he's speaking about, and he's going to keep doing it over the next few verses. He's saying nobody, like nobody accepts the testimony of themselves. That's in Western terms, that's circular logic. Like, I can't give testimony about myself to be accepted by others. There'd have to be testimony from others. And Jesus says, and luckily there is. Go ahead. You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. All right. So Jesus. And when I got done with that first verse, I thought I knew Every time I read this chapter, I think I know where he's going. Like, it never ceases to surprise me, which is ridiculous to me, but nevertheless. When he says, there is somebody whose testimony is valid, I always think his next, where is his next move going to be, Jesus, or, uh, Brent? I just about called you Jesus. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Uh, well, unfortunately, Jesus is not on this side of the microphone, or he would probably have the answer for you. But <laughs> I always hear I'm that. Sure. I always hear that, and I think he's going to say God. Like, well, I, I'll tell you who my te- where my testimony comes from. Oh, sure, the big guy. Um, like, and he he goes to John the Baptist, and I'm always like, oh, now he's going to go to God here in just a moment. Spoiler alert. But I find it interesting that Jesus' next move is. 
okay, so I can't testify about myself. That doesn't work. But somebody else has testified about me. And you even recognize this testimony for a while. And again, there's this tone of invitation. Jesus is saying, like, I invite you to go back and consider. I know you're not really thrilled about John right now, but go back and consider why was it that for a moment there, you really loved John. You you wanted that light. You stood in that light. You were you were pursuing that message. What what is it about that? Because John had something to say about me. Why? So there you go. Go ahead and keep going. The the NET on that verse is interesting. So the NIV says, "You chose for a time to enjoy his light." The NET translates it, and you wanted to rejoice greatly for a short time in his light. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's like you chose to enjoy it versus you really wanted you really wanted that to be the thing. Like whatever John was saying, you really you really wanted that to be true. Mm. Um, which I think gives it a little bit different flavor. So interesting. I would be really interesting to have somebody who got a lot better grade than I did in Greek. Um to give some insight into that verse. I don't know if Professor Russell still listens to us, but he ought to send me his send me a message on Twitter. Let me know how you think that verse should read. I'm uh I'm really interested in that. Okay. All right. Okay, back to the text. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And wait a second on the no, this wouldn't make it the chiasm because I'm thinking of John 17 where he says, everything you, everything you called me to do, I have finished. I have finished the work that you called me to do or whatever it is. Oh boy, Brent. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into the chiasm idea, but there's definitely echoes. Like it, John is deliberately connecting the book of signs to the book of hours. Yeah. Let me, let me just start over. So I, I don't uh, miss anything. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Okay. Um, and talk about throwback to our last episode on the chosen again, you study the scriptures because you think in them, you have eternal life and Philip's line. Like that's not, that's not the thing. The knowledge does not bring you closer to God. Yeah. Well that, and that's always how I've dealt with that verse and handled that verse. Um, and then recently, uh, it was pointed out to me and my NIV footnote has it. I don't know what the NET says. But at least, I don't know if it's a manuscript discrepancy or a translation issue, but there is um, that, at least in some manuscripts, that form is in the imperative, which means it would read, study the scriptures, which I would say like, man, I really don't like that. But then as you were reading that, I realized the verse before that, nor does his word dwell in you which is a crazy thing to be saying to Jewish leaders, but nevertheless, <laughs> I digress. Oh man, no kidding. He says, nor does the word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sent. So it's like the parable of the, of the soils, like the words there, but it's not bearing any fruit. So something's off. The word is not dwelling in you. So it could read imperative. 
study the scriptures because by them, or I, I don't, let's see, study the scriptures because um, I can't remember how that verse then reads when you use the imperative, because by them you possess eternal life, which I like that option as well. I like either one. What you just said a moment ago, I'm fine with that. You spend your whole time studying the scriptures. You know everything there is to know about the Bible, and yet you've missed the whole point, which is me and what I'm here to teach and represent and fulfill and 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 live out in front of you. You miss it. So some good all of that study does you. Like, I'm okay with that. The other option here is he's saying, you love the Bible so much, go look at it again and see if I'm right. Um, yeah, which I love that too, because I don't think Jesus is saying in that that's the only way to find it for the Magi. It was the stars. The Magi studied the stars and found me the, you know, whatever this group, this group does this and they find me and you guys love the scriptures. So study the scriptures. Guess what? You'll find me. Um, and that's not the same as saying like, this is not, again, this is not some podcast episode on how the only way to get into heaven guys, this is not. I don't know why we're so enamored and we are so focused on salvation and heaven and hell. And that's the email I get over and over and over and over again. I'm not talking about that. But when you go looking, it it ends up at Jesus. That's not a statement about the exclusivity and this is, you know, the only way to get into heaven is through Christianity. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is you're searching for, whatever if we're if we're chasing heaven. That paradigm, if we're chasing God, if we're chasing the things that the word became, you know, flesh and dwelt among us, the world did not recognize it. No matter what you're looking for, that thing that came and dwelt among us that was light and life to all men, it's Jesus. Whatever you're looking for, whatever it boils down to its essence, you land at Jesus. Um, and, and that. All right, I'm, I'm going to try to save my rant. I'm going to try to save my rant. rant. <laughs> I, I can't stop you, Marty. I know. I know. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's like. And again, the irony. Here we go, Brent. You couldn't. I'm mid-sentence. I'm ranting. I'm interrupting <laughs> you mid-sentence. And, and again, what frustrates me about that is there's going to be hundreds or even thousands of people listening to my voice going, is Marty, is, is Marty, uh. So does he believe that there are multiple ways to be saved? And in that very question, we are committing the exact same atrocity that Jesus is speaking about. We're rooting ourselves in our earthly paradigms, asking a bunch of questions about creedal practice and orthodox belief and all of this stuff. And Jesus is like, and you're missing. I just healed somebody on the Sabbath. I just brought wholeness and healing. I'm loving people in your midst. And you're trying to figure out dogmatic, doctrinal, sound theology, which has its place. The question you want to ask matters. But the irony is, is that question right now is keeping us from the, the very truth that Jesus is trying to teach us. That's what I find so frustratingly ironic. All right, I'm done for now. I'm going to take a deep breath so you can start reading again. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's like that idea of the kingdom of heaven being here, like... Jesus, Jesus is bringing the kingdom here and you're arguing about whether, whether I brought it in the right way. Yeah. But, but now we're living in the kingdom. Yeah. But what if we tried this other door? I don't know if I feel comfortable about people coming in from this side, but we're in the kingdom. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. 
Okay. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and I've always wondered, like, what's the tone to read that with? Because I do find that uh, uh, Jesus monologue continues. None of this stuff. I mean, Jesus just got, okay, so let's track his monologue. Let's keep reviewing this, right? Yeah. I, I'm thinking about like, um, you know, when he, when he turned water into wine woman, my time has not yet come. It's like, well, you don't say that to your mom. You don't talk to your mom like that. <laughs> sure. It's like, well, it's not, it, that's not the right tone. Right. Like, so yeah, are, are we understanding Did I read it correctly? Am I reading it the way it actually should be read? It, did I, uh, yeah. did I get the tone right? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think so. So let's walk through the monologue again. So again, we're almost done, but let's, 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 let's just review. It's healthy. He's healed on the Sabbath. Everybody's upset. Jesus says, listen, I'm not looking at it through your paradigm. I'm looking at it through a heavenly paradigm, through God's paradigm. Jesus says, I'm inviting you to see it that way because there's life in that. And if you don't want the life, your other, your alternative is death. Um, and you, and there will be consequent, like there will be a reckoning for whatever way you choose to live that has consequences, not because God's here to wheel and deal judgment and send you to hell, but because our belief system, the the way that we walk, our faith, our faith walk has consequences. And then Jesus says, and I know that when I ask you to believe in me, there's an issue of my identity, my authority. Should you believe in me? And so Jesus goes into this little bit about testimony. He's like, well, I can't testify about myself, but somebody else has. His name was John. You loved his stuff, and that's great. Um, but but John's really not even the testimony that matters the most. Just look at what I'm doing. Look at the content of what it, what I'm doing, and you'll realize that my real testimony isn't even coming from John. It's coming from God himself. Just look at what I'm doing. Study the scriptures, and you'll find me. And then, and then Jesus says, and by the way, I don't care about anybody's testimony. I don't need your approval. I'm not looking for your nod of acceptance, but I know that – but I know you <laughs> – I do not accept the praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do and do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in their name, you'll accept them. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another? And I just think to myself, again, Brent, boy, I wish we had more relevant material. <laughs> I mean, good gravy. We... And and I realize the irony of me saying this on a podcast, but man, this goes for Bayma, Marty Solomon, Brent Billings, any of the rest of our teaching team. This goes for us as much as anybody else. Like we stink in love our favorite YouTube personalities, TikTok stars, podcast hosts. We love the celebrity pastor. We love the celebrity voice. We love the platform. We love all that stuff. And Jesus is like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Jesus cares about me as an individual. He cares about you as an individual, Brent. Jesus does not care about where our podcast falls on the charts or the list. He just does not care about that kind of testimony. That's not the stuff that matters. And Jesus says, the amazing thing about that is there's a testimony that does matter. There's a testimony that's much, it's kind of obvious 
and yet you reject that, but you accept each other's flashy, amazing podcasts and endorsements. And Jesus goes, man, that's rough. So I do think you read it with the right tone, Brent. <laughs> well, and, and you read that, you read that verse. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you like, and so you think like, oh, God goggles. He, he has this insight into them. It's like, no, it's not hard to tell when somebody is doing something for their own glory. Yeah. Like it is, it's, and, and you can deceive yourself and pretend that, you know, whoever it is you're looking at is, and like, like there's the, like, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of having a good eye, but it's not, it's not hard to tell. So, um, I, I definitely hope that if people see us acting like that, that we are called out for it because yeah, man, it's so easy to get caught up in that. Well, and that will, and that we'll think about it as consumers as well uh, on, on both ends of that conversation. Right. Uh, and, and I know that Marty, it feels like Marty's really angry today. I'm really not that angry, but there's a whole section of John I never really spent a lot of time with until I was forced to because of this verse-by-verse verse commitment we made. And some of these monologues in John, like John 8's going to be another one, um, they're really like dense and theologically like heavy, and we do all this Christological like Jesus and God and the father-son relationship and and man, when, when I get into this stuff and I sit here and I look at it and I wrestle with its message, I, I, I'm amazed by the Christological—I I love the Christological—I want to get into all the theology. What I am much more confronted by is what I feel like is really relevant wrestling matches for our world. Like, so it's not that I'm— mad or wanting to hurl fire today in the podcast episode. But sometimes I feel like we just want to settle for, can you give me the Jewish stuff so that I can learn the cool things about the Bible? And I, we can't do that here. Not in this chapter. Like we shouldn't do it at all. But listen, in this chapter, nothing would be more ironic and completely <laughs> miss the point and commit the very sin we're reading about than, than that move today in the, in the, in the end of chapter five of John to sit back and say, can you just give me the cool Jewish facts? And we would absolutely commit the very sin that this chapter is confronting. So did I say that? Well, yeah, we are not exempt from wrestling with this ourselves Poof. right there with you. All right. I think you got one more, one more mini paragraph here. Let me get Marty off the mic. Cause okay. he's going to get us in trouble. All right, here we go. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So again, I'm going to double down on my position. Jesus isn't breaking the Sabbath. Jesus isn't coming here to do something brand new. Jesus is doing... Jesus says, this is what Moses wrote about. This is, I am interpreting Moses before your very eyes. And it's different than how you've interpreted Moses. And so now you've got to wrestle with which one is coming from above and which one's coming from below, because I'm interpreting Moses correctly and perfectly and clearly. And so, yeah, there you go. Jesus spitting bars. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And man, just talk about the, uh, and obviously we're breaking this down into episodes. So it's like, 
you know, we still have, we always have to remind ourselves of the flow because John's doing a whole thing in his whole gospel and reading through a big chunk of it at a time, instead of like just narrowing down on one verse can really be huge for the perspective of it. So, yep. And this message is, is it's been, it's been around since Moses. This is, we have been doing this. Religious people will struggle with this forever. We have struggled with it forever. We have to struggle with it. Like we have to wrestle with this now because like, this is not something new. This is not just the result of the religious right in modern evangelicalism in America. Religious people love to fall into these traps. That's the reason that John writes this, that we wouldn't miss the light and the life that came into the world in the Logos, that is Jesus. So that's, that's, that's what makes this so poignant is this, this isn't just some one-off. This isn't just for back then. It's not just for right now. We'll still be struggling with this as religious people 200 years from now, no matter what the world looks like, should Jesus tarry. Um, I love that phrase. Should Jesus tarry? Um, I don't know what the world will look like, but I promise you will still, religious people will still struggle with the same things. And that's the active dynamic work of dying to ourselves, letting go of selfish ambition and vain conceit, considering others before ourselves, taking the very form of a servant, whole bunch of scripture there, but nevertheless. Yeah. All right. Give me off this episode, Brent, before I burn the place down. Well, and one, one other thing I want to say, just, uh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think for people who have listened to all of Bama or most of it, or at least session one through five, um, and it's actually right before session five, the session four capstone episode one ninety, I think is probably the most important episode that we've done for people who have already been through everything, because that episode is where we review in one episode, the entirety of scripture and just having that, having that reminder of this whole thing is one story, one thing that God has been doing in the world the whole time. Uh, yeah, I just think that that episode is totally underrated and not, not utilized, uh, underutilized, underrated everything. Um, so yeah, go back to that and review and just, re- just make sure you have in your mind that, that this is, one big story. You heard it from Brent, everybody. Yeah, that's, that's, that's as that's as fiery and prophetic as Brent gets right there. We, well, we just we don't because we're <laughs> because of how we're going through things with session six now. We don't go through the reviews like we had in the past. Yep, yep. And so, but that that episode is just there. Like, go back to it whenever you want, and just yep. just get that get that reminder. So I love it. It's a good point. There we go. All right. Well, if you want to get a hold of Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell him all of your thoughts. You can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. Um, please just tweet at him publicly so I can follow along with this. <laughs> <laughs> with the madness that I'm sure we've unleashed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EIBCB. You know, tag me if you want to, if you want to help me find it more directly. And you can find more details about the show at BamaDiscipleship.com. So thanks for joining us on the Bama podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. If you have any questions, let us know, but you can find that link in the show notes. And with that, with no further ado, here's the intro music. Well, I was just going to let you get through that whole thing all by yourself, Marty, but I had just have to tell you, it's without further ado, not f- no further to do. I, I argue both are correct. Without nothing, <laughs> without anything further to do, I say... 
but I'm sure Reed Dent will be ever so proud of you for uh, correcting me in that. <sighs> well, shoot. Now I have to look it up, Marty. Oh, that's definitely further ado. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> you said it in another episode recently, and I was editing it, and I'm like, oh, no. Now I can't do anything about this. <laughs> so here I am. I love to take all kinds of fun English phrases and just <laughs> turn them on their head. Pass the mustard. <laughs> It didn't, it didn't pass mustard. It, it was not that long ago I discovered it wasn't pass mustard. It was pass mustard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, well. So many fun things. Don't even get Reed started. We were, we, were on a, we were on a kayak one day, and, and I had a conversation, and I called something uh, Adirondack. I love Adirondack furniture. And the moment <laughs> it came out of my mouth, I said, that's not right. That Adirondack. Adirondack furniture. To be fair, that one is a really weird word. And if you've never heard anyone say it, if you're not from that area, like, that's a weird one. I'll let that one pass. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, but you're not going to let a do. I sure hope this whole conversation ends up in the blooper reel and not the announcement. Uh, yeah, I guess at this point it's a little bit too much, but man. <laughs> so whatever. Let's just talk about John. Hey, I, uh, yeah, yeah. No, you can edit that. Hey, out. <laughs> I was going to talk about how I talked about pitchers. And well, at this point, it's at the end, so you might as well continue. Well, well, well hey, I, I actually used the word pitcher correctly this time. Usually, Reed will give me a hard time because I like to say pitcher instead of picture. But this time, we were actually talking about pitchers, you know, pitchers of water. Except this is going to be this is going to be on that earlier episode where we weren't just talking about pitchers. That's true. But uh, <laughs> it's come it's coming in the future and when you hear it. Yes. It'll be it'll be glorious because it's actually a pitcher, a pitcher of water. Not a, a photograph of water, but a pitcher of water. Well, if it's the other one it's called a, a picture of water, but we're actually talking about pitchers. <laughs> I will surely be getting some pictures of water when we're in Israel here momentarily. I love it. All right, that's it. No further to do. <laughs> Ha <laughs>